John Carpenter, man. I feel like, you know, even the most savvy horror genre fanatic, when they hear John Carpenter's name, they automatically think, oh, that's the guy that did Halloween. They automatically go to Halloween. There are so many people that just have his name attached to Halloween and Halloween only. I don't blame those people, man. Halloween's the greatest slasher movie of all time. Michael Myers is the greatest slasher of all time. So it it fits. I understand completely. There's a lot of other people that, you know, they Assault in Precinct 13 may be their favorite John Carpenter movie. Escape from New York. I don't know how people feel about Escape from L.A. I haven't seen either one, but we're going to keep that on the low low. Don't tell anybody about it, even though I've told everybody about it. You know, just saying it right now. But, you know, there's some people that that love John Carpenter's vampires. You know, I, I'm a fan of that movie. There's some people that may love Village of the Damned. I don't know why i think that's one of his weakest films that he's ever done some people might like the ward that's one i gotta go back and watch um i've only seen it once i I remember it being pretty different but pretty solid solid enough for me to want to go back and watch it you know there's a lot of john carpenter movies in the mouth of madness i i haven't seen that either some people might like prince of darkness you know some people might like myself even enjoy ghost of mars i feel like that is john carpenter's most underrated film ever but there are some instances where i can't mention john carpenter's name i i can't do it without giving him credit for the fog and i'm not talking about when he stamped his name on the fog you know the 2006 remake which was it listen that remake one of the shittiest remakes i've ever seen one of the shittiest movies ever made you know it was a waste of money I, I, I remember going to the movies to see that. Uh, me and the girl I was with at the time, we went to the movies to see The Fog, and it was just fucking snooze fest, man. Like, not even D-Ray Davis could save that shit. You know, they thought, let's put Tom Welling, you know, Smallville in the forefront, and let's have this completely forgettable cast. You know, nothing, no, no diss to Selma Blair. I like Selma Blair a lot, man. But her as Stevie Wayne, I just wasn't buying it. Let's CG The Fog so we can do more tricks with it and put little ghosts in there and have knives that fly around and shit. It just didn't feel genuine at all. Felt like a super cash grab. And I feel like it was one of those situations where John Carpenter was like, all right, you can put my name on it and Deborah Hill's name on it, but send me that check. Run me my coins. Run me my money. I need I needs my dollars for this shit. You know, Papa got to pay some bills so y'all can make this remake of my shit, but make sure I get paid for it. And I feel like he just didn't give a fuck. But this movie, however... John Carpenter was a couple years fresh off of, um, you know, uh, the original Halloween movie. He had already done Assault in Precinct 13. He hadn't quite touched, you know, he hadn't quite, you know, written the script for Halloween 2. I think that was in 81 that movie came out. And he didn't get to, you know, his version of The Thing, which is one of the most epic movies of all time. I don't even know how I didn't mention that. There's a lot of people that hold The Thing, you know, up to the standard of, okay, this is John Carpenter's best film. But The Fog... The Fog will always be top five John Carpenter movies for me. It will always be uh, one of the scariest movies of all time, one of the best ghost stories of all time. I feel like a lot of people don't give this movie credit for being a really effective, atmospheric, and genuinely scary uh, ghost tale, man. And it plays out like a tale. You know, you, I can't just always use the word, go, the, the phrase ghost story. It plays out like a tale. I feel like that's how good this movie holds up. It's not a movie that is you know, heavy on gore. It's not a movie that's heavy on blood or anything like that, but the scares, man, the, the scares are so well executed in this movie, man. And I just feel like it doesn't, it doesn't really get the credit it deserves, man. And the cast, it is a, um, it's a, it's a tight knit 
cast, man. You got so many John Carpenter familiars. First of all, rest in peace. Shout out to Deborah Hill. She helped, uh, you know, John Carpenter write the script. That was his, uh, you know, his right hand woman. And, I, you know, she she was just a big a part of this movie as he was, in my opinion. You know, a lot of this is John Carpenter because he was behind the camera. But without that script, man, you don't have a movie. And like I said, unless your improv is just that amazing. I say that all the time. But, um, you know, this cast, man, you, like I said, you got John Carpenter familiars who either were in his stuff prior, who would go on to pop up in his stuff after. You know, obviously, you got the Scream Queen, Jamie Lee Curtis in this movie. She doesn't... This was, you know, one of the things that I, I feel like never really sat well with me and it doesn't take away from like the rating i'll end up giving this movie but i guess i was so spoiled with jamie lee curtis being in in halloween and i had seen halloween too at the time before this i always thought she was going to be a main character but i realized that this isn't really a movie with a main character per se it's more so about the town these townspeople who are you know, in the in the crosshairs of these ghosts, you know, these vengeful ghosts. So Jamie Lee Curtis kind of takes a backseat, but she does. She is in the movie like more than enough. I just wish she was in it a lot more, if that makes any sense. But you got Jamie Lee Curtis in here. Another underrated um, genre woman, which is Adrian Barbeau. I don't know if her and John Carpenter were married at the time of this film. I, You know, I don't want to spread any misinformation, but somebody out there let me know. Were they married when this movie was made but adrian barbeau's in this movie who's absolutely amazing janet lee absolutely amazing she she doesn't get a whole lot to do but every time she's on screen is great to see her john houseman who sets this shit off perfectly with one of the best monologues that one of the most underrated monologues in a horror film ever tom atkins who can almost do no wrong unless he's in my bloody valentine 3d you are never forgiven for that man you were supposed to save that shitty movie tom atkins but it's cool I'll let you make it up to me and all the rest of the fans out there when you come back for a season of the witch sequel. You got Charles Cyphers, you know, fresh off of shit playing Sheriff Brackett in the Halloween movie. Nancy Keys, known as Nancy Loomis back then, fresh off the Halloween movie. Hal Holbrook, like you got, you know, a, a George Flower in here. Ty Mitchell, you got, you know, as far as the OG casting, you got some monsters in here, man. All of this OG, just such fine casting, man. A work casting if you ask me man and listen with that being said i need got a shout out to tommy lee wallace who i think he played one of the ghosts if not the main one blake uh i don't quote me on that but i do believe i'd heard in the documentary that in some parts tommy lee wallace played one of the ghosts in in here but i you know we'll cross that bridge when we get there people now people this is on hulu the fog uh, i don't think there's a director's cut or anything like that if it is y'all already know swing that shit but people this is the uh, the full theatrical cut of the fog 1980 that's just in case y'all are tuning in with me and y'all know if y'all are tuning in with me y'all are the true to the reviews mvps this actually is on tubi also i decided to stick with hulu as opposed to Tubi because those ads like i can edit the ads out but they just you know tubi doesn't even give you a fucking a countdown anymore they just throw it at you you know they throw the ads at you and it kind of disrupts the commentary a little bit so we choose we we did not actually choose the latter people but let's jump into it let's keep the spooky season themed rocking people let's get into this commentary for the fog 1980 i will hit the play button in three two one yes right into it What was that saying? Studio Canal? I don't think this was the original logo, by the way. This was probably when somebody... I mean, it might be, but this is probably when somebody scooped it up and decided to dish it back out. I don't know if there's like a 
is it Shout or Scream Factory? I don't know. But I don't know if it's like a version of that with a bunch of special features on it. <coughs> I had the old school um, DVD when it came out. It says, is all that we see or seem but a dream within a dream at Growlin Poe. They should have said that was a quote from Christopher Nolan that inspired him to do fucking Inception. Because that movie literally, it, you know, they're stuck in a dream within a dream within a dream within a dream that's trying not to dream but can't wake up from several other dreams. I, I can't do it. <laughs> Meanwhile, Mr. Macon just broke the shit out of his watch. Why would you snap it closed like that? One more story. One more story before twelve. But I'm I'm gonna be honest, yo. Um, Mr. Macon telling me a ghost story as a kid. Shit, Mr. Macon telling me, uh, you know, ghost story as an adult. I'd be like, bro, like you you do this shit a little too well. Hundred years ago, on the twenty-first of April. I think John Houseman was in the original Rollerball movie too. With uh, James Kahn. Drew toward land. Suddenly, out of the night, the fog rolled in. For a moment, they could see nothing. Not a foot ahead of them. And then, they saw a light. My God, it was a fire burning on the shore. Strong enough to penetrate the swirling mist. Oh no! It was uh, I'm looking at it now. It was it was Rob Bottin, uh, the effects guy. He did the effects for John Carpenter's The Thing. I don't know if he did the effects here. He might have, but even better. Yeah, he played Blake in this movie. Good for him. Ty Mitchell's looking at him like, fuck, I am not going to sleep tonight at all. Eyes open, staring into the darkness. And above Ty Mitchell, by the way, he, uh, you know, another, uh, technically he's a John Carpenter familiar. John Carpenter didn't direct um, Halloween 2, that was Rick Rosenthal, but he would go on to, like, I think direct pickup shots because they wanted more gore and, and more blood in the movie. But Ty Mitchell is the kid who, who gets the razor blade in his mouth. When his mom takes him to Haddonfield Memorial. It took me years to put that together. Rise up. Search for the campfire that led them to their dark and icy death. I'm telling y'all, man. I, I'll just come out and say it now, man. I'm glad I'm doing this commentary in the daytime because this is, like I said, the way John Houseman sets this entire movie off is, is flawless. And this is a movie that even in my later years, I would watch at night and I still would find myself kind of like like looking looking behind me, looking over my shoulder type of thing because it is so, this movie still holds up. And it's a testament to John Carpenter, his earlier style of filmmaking, the wide, you know, the 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 wide shots, things like slowly kind of happening in the background and you don't really peep. Like John Carpenter is one of those guys. I, what makes him such a great horror director? 
such an effective horror director, especially his earlier things. He he lingers on shit. One of the movies that's on my list to do is Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, and that director, uh, Andre Overdahl, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, same director as um, Last Voyage of the Demeter. Fuck, why didn't I put that on my fucking October list? Let me put that shit on the list now. Something gotta go, people. I gotta do the Demeter. But one of the things I like about him that I was about to say about John Carpenter, it's all the same thing I'm about to say. He lingers on his his creatures, his killers. He lingers. It's not just jump scare after jump scare. He will linger on shots, man, and let you see that that monster, let you see that creature, as opposed to just cheap jump scares every five fucking seconds like people do today. And speaking of John Carpenter, he's, a, he's making a cameo in his own movie. Oh, thank you, Bennett. Uh, I won't need you until four tomorrow, Bennett. Yes, sir. Would you like something to keep you warm on the way home? No, thank you. Father, can I get paid? <laughs> Why don't you come in at uh, six instead of four? Yes, sir. A.K.A. I ain't paying you shit. Father Malone is trying mm -hmm. to get drunk. Uh, Father Malone's a terrible influence. Hey, would you like a glass Bennett. of wine before you get behind the wheel of a car? Bennett? That would have scared the shit out of me too. But I, you know, this this was again, man. This was John Carpenter showing people I can do ghost stories, I can do supernatural shit, and it's not overbearing supernatural. You know, a, a, a brick fell out of the wall, revealing this diary that Father Malone is just going to get obsessed with throughout the course of this movie. You know, driftwood washes ashore and turns into a coin at some point. Um. Or I think it was a, was it a coin at first or was it a piece of wood? I don't remember. You know, the body of, of Dick Baxter gets up in the morgue and just starts walking around at some point. It is, it is simplistic supernatural elements in this movie. And simplicity is, is why John Carpenter will always be one of the goats. He's second to me. Like as far as this, uh, this genre goes, director, writer, George A. Romero is always going to be first. John Carpenter will forever be second. Close second. And, you know, I, I made a mention of some movies I may have not seen or some movies that I didn't like from John Carpenter. Like, I did not like Village of the Damned at all. I think that movie, it's like the Tommyknockers. It's got a really stacked, great cast. But... As, as far as the overall impact, I, I don't like that movie at all. I, I just I just think it's a pretty dull film. I don't know. Like I would have to watch an interview and find out like what was going on, behind, you know, behind the scenes of that. But I don't like the way that movie came out. Um, but you know, John Carpenter, like like every other horror director, they take some bumps in the road. It's not all. It's not always going to be a Cinderella season where you just got banger after banger after banger. That's every director. I don't know one director who has had all hits and no misses. I, there's not one I can think of. And even movies that are hailed nowadays, like John Carpenter's The Thing, that shit wasn't received well when it came out. 
You know, there wasn't there, it wasn't really a popular demand for it when it came out. It wasn't until over time people really started to appreciate that movie. That movie was so good for me that I I didn't even realize it was a remake. It makes the original almost non-existent. But then you go back and watch the original, you know, the thing from another world, and you see that John Carpenter took a lot of nods out of that. The guy, you know, bursting through the door or bursting through the wall on fire and going out into the snow. That That's a direct scene from the original movie. and at that point i'm just i'm just i'm just leaving because i would even, i would think that somebody's either breaking in or just threw something through the window It's no, listen, it's, t- it's time to get a new sign, probably. Like, not just the fact that it fell and it's just hanging by a thread, but the fact that it squeaks. Like, tighten that shit up. This is just like it, it's. If you would have, you know what I was about to say. If they would have remade this, and they did, unfortunately, but I, you know, I think this could be remade again. It's actually on my um, on my list of the next episode of RZ Live, people. So next Wednesday, you know, if you guys tune in, me and Zuko are going to be. Um, I came to him with an idea yesterday, and I was like, "Yo, I've, I'm making this list of." You know, what if these directors remade this movie or that movie? And I've got 10 horror movies that could be remade by certain people. And I've got two directors for each. But there there are two people in mind that could definitely handle a remake of The Fog. One of them I actually mentioned. So, I don't know. We'll have to see Wednesday. One of them I definitely mentioned in this episode already. But you guys will have to wait and see Wednesday. Yeah, that, I mean, that would freak anybody out. TV come on, chair move, you know, all the alarms are going off. Every, like, the whole town's just losing its shit. <coughs> Every inanimate object is losing its shit. <clears throat> and Ad- Adrian Barbeau, man, Jesus Christ. Like, I, I, I hate that they deleted her scene in Rob Zombie's Halloween. She was, a, she was like a receptionist or something. Uh, she was like a front desk lady. And she has like a little spat with Dr. Loomis because he's getting a little smart with her. 
But Adrian Barbeau is amazing, man. Even in Creepshow, where she's one of the most unlikable bitchy characters ever. Her voice is so like I it's one of the things it's one of the things that made me look forward to watching this movie back in the day is listening to Adrian Barbeau's voice. The Fog is a horror movie that not that it's boring in any sense of the word. It's a horror movie that I can listen to. You know how y'all listen to like relaxing sounds of the rain and the rainforest and shit like that like this movie's one of those and adrian barbo plays a big part in that right. how far are you going other side of town and jamie lee curtis man what okay there is one thing i i did not like about jamie lee curtis and i get it you know like i can't i ain't gonna put all my business out there but i you know you can't tell people you can't put like an expiration date on or a time frame on when somebody's supposed to sleep with somebody. But Jamie Lee Curtis gave them cheeks up the same night that she met this motherfucker. She just Listen, met the guy. Someone. I just really want to be careful. Can I ask you something? Sure. Are you weird? Yes, I am. Yes, I am weird. You are weird. Yes, you're weird. Thank God. <laughs> I love it. The last run I had was so normal, it was disgusting. You picked me up in Santa Barbara. By the time we got to Carmel, he wanted to marry me. Oh, yeah. I thought you never hit psych before. Gotcha. And I love their, you know, they automatically hit it off. That is one thing I like, but I don't know. I guess it's because I always expected her to be Laurie Strode. You know, this just super innocent character. <laughs> He's like, bitch, they shooting. Get down. Like, all the fucking windows just busted out, <laughs> out of nowhere. I wonder how they did that effect. Sure. But she knew she was gonna give him some ass. It seemed like because he's like, oh, weird and unlucky, and she she kind of smiles at him, and she's like, we'll see, we'll see if you're gonna get some or not. Just keep being weird, all right? Exactly twelve minutes after midnight, and this is But you know, they're they're adults. Like it's not like Jamie Lee Curtis was playing Laurie Strode, a teenage high school character. Um, they're adults, man. So you know, free will, sleep with whoever you want. I, you know, that's why I said I ain't gonna put my business out there like that. But it's it, it's happened before. You know, you just meet somebody and things happen. It, it's happened, and 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 that's all I'll say about it. Mind your motherfucking business. Like Stevie Wayne, her Adrian Barbeau's voice is so good in this movie. She could almost be a fucking phone sex operator or something. Like I ain't into that, but she'd be like, it's Stevie Wayne. I'm ready to do some nasty things. She might as well be a phone sex operator for, for Charles Cyphers here because he is... Charles Cyphers' character in this movie is one of the thirstiest motherfuckers over the phone. Business owner. Ballin'. I love that she's just such a business-oriented, consistent, strong woman in this movie. You know, everybody that complains and bitches and moans about, you know, strong females and established females and hard nowadays, it's been a thing. It's always been a thing. Like, wake up. Thanks, Dan. That's worth about 10 seconds. On the air, bye. And I, you gotta love Dan's persistence. He calls her up constantly just to have conversation, just to flirt with her, try to take her out to dinner. And she never folds. Oh, the se this this sequence is so... Uh, again, John Houseman set it off with the monologue in the beginning about Blake and his men crashing their ship. 
but this sequence sets off what we're about to get into. Boy, would I like to meet her. <laughs> I saw her at a grocery store one day. Yeah? You would like to meet her. She's crazy. There's no fog bank out there. What do you know about her? She owns that lighthouse. I know that. Her son plays Little League with my kid brother. She's a mother? <laughs> I thought you were happily married. <laughs> Not that happy. Damn, bruh. Meanwhile, his poor wife. Then the fog bank just pops up. Like, and a lot of this was used like, um, I don't know if, if John Carpenter used miniatures. But, I, you know, the practical fog. Oh, yeah. They might have had some reverse shots or they might have tweaked some like this, the speed of some shots. But this is it's it's practical for the most part. And I love how these guys, even though they are about to meet their doom and it's just it's just three three guys like just about to make their way back home on a seagrass boat they're just drinking beers getting fucked up and then this happens Now again, this is a, another sequence that used to scare the shit out of me, man. When I first saw this, I was like, I'm not sure what the fog is going to do. Um, but the way these kills play out is, it is, you don't need the blood and gore. He's like, well, where the fuck y'all going? They just left him down there. But he didn't have to stay down there. He could have. But it's like, what do you do in a situation like this? Then that big ass boat pops up next to him and disappears. I, you know, normally if I could swim, I'd be like, yeah, I'll just jump the fuck overboard. But I, like, what do you do? Let's go. Hey, there was just a ship out there. Hell, listen. And they look terrified, man. I, I love the just oh my god, man, the look of this movie, the way that these sequences play out. We are about to get a jump scare, but it they earned it. You can barely see Blake and his men in the fog like that, but you see them nonetheless. Blake's like, what's up? Mm. Sound design is all you need. Jesus. Now, sound design, like I said, because if you listen close enough, you can hear blood dripping out of his body. Took me years to realize that. This, this is what I mean by linger on the shots. How that ghost just opens up the door like that and is just creeping towards Dick Baxter. Mm. 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 
nowadays they would have showed that kill they would have showed that stick whatever the fuck it was go right into both his eyes but they didn't and it works it's 12:43, and i've got four in a row for you right here on kab Listen, if I could own a lighthouse and just host the two, like live host the Tudor Reviews podcast on like an actual station live, I that'd be dope. I wouldn't mind having vampire hours. Just her up there, like she's her own. You know, you know, she's she's the best company she'll ever have next to her son. That is a gorgeous shot right there. Nothing but water, Stevie. It sure be Chicago. She's like, this motherfucker's calling again? KB. I like what you said, but for your information, you lied. The fog bank has moved due west and probably missed the ship entirely. And then you gotta love that all these characters have their thing. The majority of them have their thing. Stevie Wayne is a is a you know a radio personality. Dan is um you know the weatherman, and it plays into like their their exchanges because he called you know how he just called her. You can look at him as thirsty, but. He called her, because he's the weatherman, to let her know, like, yeah, you got fog bank moving in and blah, 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 or no fog bank, whatever he said. But it plays into both of their characters so well. That's why in the, like, listen, again, nothing nothing against Selma Blair. I like Selma Blair, man. Um, but I, I do not think she was a good replacement for Adrian Barbeau in the remake. And... The motherfucker they got to play Dan, his death scene's pretty vicious in the remake, but he he's probably take me a month to get to Vancouver and fucking sell him for five bucks a piece. I'll be rich. Cool. Can I ask you something? Sure. What's your name? Elizabeth. Nick. Hello, Nick. Didn't even get exchange names in the card. Not when they first got to the house. They probably just knocked everything over and just went crazy on each other. Like when you, when you, <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. When you have sex with somebody, people, and you gotta ask their name after the fact. Y'all just didn't give a shit because y'all didn't think it was gonna go anywhere after, or y'all just were that invested in the sex. It it had to have been that good. Me neither. I think I gotta have this one. Can I buy it? Uh-oh. Flying spree. <sighs> For, look at that. He's he's so. It looks like it's a like a a cardboard cutout standing there. And if somebody knocks that slow. It's already a red flag. And then the way he walked backwards away from the door, it's like, I'm not, I'm not going to answer. 
whoo, that that time frame saved his ass because that the way he was like cocking that weapon back, he's like, I'm about to fuck this dude up. Now I gotta. I think this was before Tom Atkins was in Halloween three. Again, something John Carpenter had a hand in. Tommy Lee Wallace directed. Like every like the the John Carpenter, you know, actors, writers, stand-ins, crew, and the George A. Romero crew, I, I love shit like that. Robert Rodriguez does it too. Quentin Tarantino does it too. I love that. Like it's it's so family oriented, man, with these with these directors, these right the cast and crew. I, I love that, man. That is a that is a dream. Like some people don't like it because it's like, okay, we got the same characters. Rob Zombie does it also, but it's like some people don't like it because it's like, okay, we got the same characters just playing or same actors and actresses playing different characters. I want to see somebody new, but if they're that versatile and that good on screen, I would not mind having my my cast and crew of familiars, man. I think that is so so amazing because it lets you know like a lot of these people aren't interchangeable. A lot of these people are responsible for the success of this movie or these movies so let's keep bringing them back if people want to see it if it you know if it ain't broke don't fix it which is probably some words of advice they could have used when they thought about remaking this shit or at least remake it let me see who made the, who directed the remake because i just i promise y'all i'm not going to make this a whole banter about how much i hate the remake but god damn they they just didn't care score also john carpenter on the score and composer wise he's one of the best composers in the horror genre hands down between this theme and the halloween theme alone like even he has some help with uh the the david gordon green halloween movies with that score and he had a little bit of help with i I believe with the ghost of mars ghost of mars is an underrated soundtrack that rock and roll shit in the mix of you know john carpenter's classic style who directed this film the remake is what i'm talking about rupert wainwright swear to god i never heard the name wainwright outside of hot fuzz y'all ever seen that movie hot fuzz where the guy's introducing simon Pegg to all the other cops he's like detective sergeant wainwright rupert wainwright what else has this guy done Let's check out check out Wayne Wright's resume real quick. <laughs> oh, he was a music video director. That was a thing apparently. Um, you know, Samuel Bayer was a music video director. They gave him for some reason the Nightmare on Elm Street reboot. Marcus Nispel um, was a music video director. They gave him Texas Chainsaw and Friday the Thirteenth. I think that worked out pretty well. That boy ain't eat breakfast yet. His mama still, well, she sleep because she worked graveyard shift. But that boy ain't eat breakfast. Okay, Wayne Wright directed Stigmata. Blank check. Blank check's a classic. Uh, I don't remember Stigmata at all. I remember um, Patricia Arquette, Nia Long, Gabriel Byrne. Right here. Well, you know, I don't know if I were you, I'd give myself another book. You call the Coast Guard, Hank? Yeah, good 
probably got drunk last night. You're still out here. Yeah, I know he wouldn't do that. He'd do anything. Hell, and I got drunk so many times together, I can't count them all. But we never got so shit-faced, we couldn't make it back in. Still got a sailor to stay out there all night. Look, I know this might be a fishing town, but his boots, like, bruh. You worry too much, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> Love how he just dismissed it. Yeah, whatever. I'm going to talk Ashcroft. He's been taking out his boat and looking for the seagrass. Who's Ashcroft? Someone who owes me a favor. Can I come along? Thought you had to move on to Vancouver. Eventually. Yeah. I like it. An unlikely duo. And they, they come in handy later on uh, when the fog rolls back in. 45 and brought to the mayor's box. Then we will have speeches by the mayor, sheriff, me. Oh, you have my notes. Then we will pass out the candles and begin the procession. Then I will go home and pass out. I'm almost afraid to look. Well, not bad. Not bad at all. Janet Lee, man. And I love how she's just constantly getting on, um, you know, she's just getting, Janet Lee is getting on Nancy Loomis' nerves so bad. Sandy, you can be a very annoying person at times, but you do keep you together. Thank you, Mrs. Williams. These shots, man, um, they're the wide shots, man. You know, it doesn't give off, hey, we're such an expensive movie. Look at these wide shots. It's just, it, it makes it more natural for me with this movie in particular, especially this shot coming up and when she's walking down the stairs to get to the lighthouse. It's, it's, a, it's a simple shot, but I, it's, it's one of the best in the whole movie. Yeah, uh, I can tell by your urgency that you're very concerned about this. Nick, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Is it always like this? It's always different. You're worried, aren't you? Yeah. She can get real mean. There. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Is he turned on by the boat? Oh, yeah. I can just get through the speeches without yawning. I couldn't sleep last night. Too excited? No, I went out on his boat last night and didn't come home. He still isn't back. Mrs. Williams? I called the Coast Guard and they said, Daryl, he might have had engine trouble. They said not to worry. He was complaining about his boat last Maybe week. Maybe you ought to go home. Oh, that's the last place I want to go. My dog started to bark at 12 last night and didn't stop until 6 this morning. What happened? He was pointed toward the ocean and growling. What does that tell you? 
My dog goes crazy and decides to bark at the water. I heard the church bells at midnight as I started to drift off to sleep, and suddenly my car alarm went off for absolutely no reason. Really? Uh-huh, woke up the whole block. This town sits around for a hundred years and nothing happens, and then one night the whole place falls apart. Yeah, that's usually how it happens. You know, it wasn't until I got older that I appreciated seeing... It doesn't happen until the end, you know, the third act of the movie, but I... I had to appreciate seeing Janet Lee and Jamie Lee Curtis in the same frame of a film. Because this is like the second movie they were in. Or, no, not the second. Uh, they were in two movies together total. I think they were in this together and they were in Halloween H2O. But I think when I was younger, I just, I never really stopped and told myself, like, this is the, the original, one of the original Scream Queens and one of the most iconic horror movies of all time you know the granddaddy of the slasher film you know next to her daughter who who would take up the mantle man that shit is so my next project restoration of the morgantown road cemetery historical our ancestors have buried there cost a lot sandy so this town should be proud of its past but trying to get anyone involved in community affairs is like pulling teeth Better get the estimates ready for the council meeting next month. Yes, ma'am. Sandy, you're the only person I know who can make yes, ma'am sound like screw you. Yes, ma'am. Now, if you'll just say a little prayer, ask him to be not be in his cups. Not a good sign. Father Malone! Father Malone! Father Balone, but he'd been reading that journal getting drunk. <laughs> Father Malone is so overwhelming in this upcoming scene because, not in this scene right here, but when he's reading the diary to him. She's like, well, nigga, why are you just sitting in the dark like that? But this scene, like, it, it was so... <laughs> December 9th. This shit left a mark on him so much so that he has to read the entire journal to them. In the shadows to prevent me from getting a clear look at his face. How Holbrook, man. Um, an, another movie I... Oh, my God. Him and Adrian Barbeau in, in a creep show. Now, I know John Carpenter didn't have anything to do with that, but like how Holbrook was so good in Creepshow, man. And he was the ultimate friend in Creepshow. Like he, the guy, I can't remember the actor's name, but his homie runs to him and he's like, yeah, the guy ate the janitor and he ate the, the other guy and... You know, how Holbrook's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like a monster, a creature in a crate? And then he gives him like sleeping pills and his drink. And when he passes out, he goes to clean up the mess. And he gets Adrian Barbeau's ass eaten, you know, by Fluffy the monster in the crate. Creepshow, man, if y'all have never, I, like, I already did commentary for the first two. Three doesn't really exist to me. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, uh, I don't think, I don't see myself doing commentary for the TV show. But I definitely got to catch up on Creepshow, the TV series. Like off of the podcast. December 11, 
Blake's it's my birthday, people. It's the you best date in that journal. Hands down. And relocate the entire colony just north of here. He has purchased a clipper ship called the Elizabeth Dane with part of his fortune and asks only for permission to settle here. I must balance my feelings of mercy and compassion toward this poor man with my revulsion at the thought of a leper colony only a mile distant. These are some of the strongest moments in the film, man, where people get dialogue that just, like, for all the right reasons, drags out like that. Like, pretty much monologues. I feel like those are the best, some of the best moments in the movie. And not a ghost in sight. Not a fog bank in sight. Oh, stop touching shit. Someone's called her Jamie. What's her name? Elizabeth in this movie? drank a lot of beer last night. Every night. It's Budweiser. They didn't get drunk off that. It's always the same. Room starts spinning. Fishing. (laughs) Fish. The only thing I know about fishing is you use a lot of worms. Why would he taste that beer that was already open? It could have been piss inside of there. And now it's as if she's been turned over in the water. Yeah, that is creepy. The fact that the the boat looks like he said it's been turned over in the water and um you know when the bodies show up the the, the coroner's like, yeah, he looks like he's been underwater for a month. Gold will allow the church to be built and our small settlement to become a township, but it does not soothe the horror that I feel being an accomplice. Now what? Wait for the Coast Guard. Sorry. What for? Ever since you picked me up, things have been going well. The clock broke, the window's been breaking. The weirdo at the door last night. That isn't you. I'm not so sure. Things seem to happen to me. Bad luck? Well, the shoe fucking fits. I don't believe in luck. Good or bad. He's just saying that because he wants to sleep with her again. <clears throat> I'm curious, man. Let me, let me, you know, for those that are listening, I appreciate y'all for one, but let me ask y'all a question. You know, take Halloween out of the mix. What is your favorite Jamie Lee Curtis horror movie? There aren't a whole bunch, but she's in The Fog, she's in Prom Night, she's in Terror Train. I think this is probably the this is the role I like out of the three I mentioned. Terror Train, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is good in that movie. Uh, she's good in Prom Night too, but I don't I don't think I have the same type of attachment to those characters she plays. My dad and two of his hands. I don't think my dog does either. If y'all just heard him barking at the mailman. No one was on board. There was food on the table and a hot steamy cup of coffee but underneath the tin cup was rusted to the table and then something caught my father's eye it was a gold doubloon minted in spain 1867 my dad picked up the coin put it in his breast pocket of his jacket zipped it up came home 
told us a story. And he unzipped the pocket to give me the coin. It was gone. She's like, God damn it. I think I'll go to Vancouver now. <laughs> Listen, that is that is one of the best pump fakes ever. You see, like I said, shit happening in the background. Even though it's a close-up shot of that handle jiggling about to open up, the shit falls out of the, you know, that, that little closet door. That's one jump scare that got people. But the follow-up with a, the real jump scare, the body falling on her, that was such a great pump fake. I don't know how often directors did that in horror movies back in the day. Your grandfather had a way with words. Well? Our celebration tonight is a travesty. We're honoring murderers. This is actually the shot I was talking about. Simple, but it is... I, I, I don't know. I cannot explain why I am obsessed with this shot right here of her just walking down a flight of steps to this lighthouse. Yeah, fuck the exorcist staircase. Could y'all imagine falling down this flight of steps? You're gonna be falling for the rest, of, you know, the whole two acts this movie's got left. You know, if it, if it wouldn't put my ass on fire, I would just slide down the railing to get to work every day. Or just build a fucking slide on the stairs. Take a sled down that shit. Like, what do you do? <laughs> what do you do in the winter time when it's ice on those stairs? You just slide the fuck down. No, you can't do that because what if you slide down there and just flip over that railing? Now you in the water, and Antonio Bay's looking for you because they don't have nobody to do the radio station no more. It's actually. I'm getting text messages, people. I was actually the for the the long forgotten unofficial co-host of Tudor Reviews. M. Wright is actually texting me. I don't know how many of y'all y'all should lobby to get this asshole back on the show, man. He's he's been he's been very much avoiding me. But we did do uh he was unofficial co-host because he was the only one that came back for more than one episode. He was on the Friday the Thirteenth and Talks Commentary the. Mortal Kombat reboot talk. I can't remember what else it was. Uh, we did, you know, whether we were survive horror locations, part one. Definitely got to finish part two. And I think we did the yeah we did a Dark Man and Tox commentary. That was fire. But let me know if y'all want to get this asshole back on the show. Last night, 
After midnight, what difference is it? That's the same time the rest of the town fell apart. The same time the six conspirators met 100 years ago. It's really getting late. Uh, there's not much we can do about any of this. Are you going to give the benediction tonight, Father? Antonio Bay has a curse on him. Do we take that as a no? We're leaving now, Father. Will you be all right? I'm going to call Dr. Thaden and ask him to just drop by. I think you're taking all of this much too seriously. Raul cursed. I just text him that, too. I said, I literally just told my listeners... So let me know if they want your bitch ass back on the show. That's the type of friend I am, you know? Very soft spoken. Again, supernatural occurrences. Very subtle the way this, this driftwood starts leaking like that. I don't know how they did that effect. Damn, I wish that was the jingle for the Tudor Views podcast. As soon as it comes on, they play this music. And then it changed from, uh, you know, the Elizabeth Dane name on the Driftwood. It's changed it to, it says, Six Must Die. So good, man. (laughs) That sped up voice sound like fucking um, Dr. Mittenhand's machine on Leprechaun 4. Where he keeps banging the machine and it just be like, nah, 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 nah. Whatever the fuck it says. How can a man drown and not touch the water? He had water in his lungs. Salt water around his mouth. Seaweed in his clothes. Unless. You okay? See his eye. Yeah, I saw his eyes. How do you explain that? Somebody just <clears throat> carved his eyes out. He said it like it was normal. Yeah, I saw his eyes. I did two tours in Nam, so you know. Andy, where did you get that piece of driftwood? I told you, Mama, it was on the beach. That is definitely the wrong thing to ask. She should have called him like, Andy, where did you get that haircut? Because it's giving me, you know, Lloyd Christmas from Dumb and Dumber. I know, honey. It's all right. I just don't want you to pick up anything else unless you come and get me first, okay? Okay. Is Mrs. Colbert's there? Why do kids respond like that? Like, they are just so irritated with what you're saying. That's like when I tell my daughter, like, when when we get off the phone during the week. 
I'm like, have a good day tomorrow. Make sure you behave yourself. Okay. What? That is not a that is not a response. That is not the way to say I love you too. Don't say me too. God, I would love to have that set up, that station. Somebody once offered me a studio space for the podcast. This was like in my early days, probably like a year or so into it. Maybe two. Hi. Give or take. Um but the you know, if you're from Philly, like I was in Mount Area at the time when I was offered the space, but the space was all the way in King of Prussia. Like I'm thinking about, okay, the space seems great, but the commute, you know, I had to be realistic about that commute every, you know, as much as I was recording back then at the time, I'd have had to pack a couple bags and move in that bitch. I mean, I wouldn't mind staying there if it was like livable. Is livable a word? It is now. Fuck it. This is another great shot coming up. The fog bank that they're looking at. What did your mother want, Andy? Nothing. Oh, it must have been something. Stop being nosy, lady. This is Cobritz. What are those clouds out there? And that, that shot is almost like the evil is coming. Blake and his men are on their way to get it popping. God, the bruises underneath uh, Dick Baxter's eyes is just, ugh, it's creepy as hell. Mrs. Coberts, let me say something about her. She didn't deserve that. What happens to her later on in the movie, she didn't deserve that. But they said six, six must die, you know? So I think they got three in the can already. They need three more. But her death in the Fog remake is even worse she gets fucked up in that remake and it is it's awful to watch it's like the boat had been out there a long time taking on water he was down below near the bunks his wounds are covered with algae his lungs are full and there's silt under his fingernails i saw big baxter three days ago in salinas now he's lying in there on the table looking like he's been underwater for a month It's not a lot to this, man. It's just all oh, the like the framework, those legs coming off the table like that. People in the audience are probably like, "What the fuck?" Like, it's a ghost movie, a fog movie, a zombie movie. You remember last October, those three kids that went diving for that old boat off a point? Yeah. We got to them. They've been down for a week. Because in a movie with supernatural occurrences, I let this slide. It doesn't really make sense how his body gets up and starts moving. Or how he just fell over drunk like that. 
but it's it, it's you know if if I question that I got to question well how does the driftwood keep changing captions how does it leak on its own how do the car alarms go off how does the, the you know the gas get pumped without anybody at the and then he wrote the number three with that scalpel I need three that's Blake letting niggas know I need three more of them bodies I want a foghorn like that go outside in the middle of the block and blow that shit and let people know I'm about the about the record so they be considerate you know also if we're going to talk about John Carpenter you know the actors and actresses and just overall people that he has around him in his films um it is definitely it is definitely uh Donald Pleasant's birthday today people so rest in peace shout out to one of the OG just goat <coughs> you know actors of all time Was that Deborah Hill? That looked like Deborah Hill all the way in the back. It still was the catalyst that brought together all of the people of this wonderful area. They came together. They formed the charter for Antonio Bay. The charter by which you have voted for these councilmen who sit on my left and my right tonight. Jazzy, the Coast Guard's out there looking for now, they're going to cover the area pretty good. Motherfucker look like Cheech, that cop right there really behind Janet Lee. At first glance, he he swear he looked like Cheech. Thank you. I got to go. I'm up next. He's like, I've been practicing this speech for six days, and I can't fuck it up, lady. I'm so sorry, Mrs. Williams. It's funny. It's not. But all I can think about is my silly dog barking all night, and... And me just, just wishing Al would come home. I can't have the chair lady of the birthday celebration in tears, can I? Don't I don't think you ought to go out. Oh, I think that's exactly what I ought to do. I appreciate all your help. And all of this crazy shit that's going on is bringing these... I, I don't know if they... You know, it seems like they don't know each other but they all are being brought together by what's going on and they all end up in the church at some point at the end of the movie again that's one of the things i'll probably say this when i give my rating at the end of it it's one of the things i love about this movie there's there's no real with the exception of adrian barbeau because we spent a lot of time with her character there's no real main character of the movie it is about antonio bay why why is she saying like it was a fucking joke like it was a punchline or something hope no one else gets like she she was better she might as well just laughed after that or they should have played the drum. Hello, my name's Nick Castle. You don't know me, but I'm one of the. I love how he named. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I really don't have any further words. He named Tom Atkins' character Nick Castle. Nick Castle is the actor who played Michael Myers. On the radio about the fog. 
I I promise y'all I I did not look at the invisible camera. You you cannot you can't get around saying the fog in a movie called The Fog. I saw the fog last night. Out in the ocean in the distance. It was glowing. Well, what seemed to be happening is that the wind was moving due east, and the fog just kept moving west. I know that sounds completely crazy. Right now it doesn't. Something happened last night. At the same time that fog was moving in, this whole town went unglued. Hold on. I've got some more birthday music for you. You gotta love that on and off switch she's got, man. It's awesome. She's like, yeah, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Hold on real quick. I'm back as a phone sex operator, and I gotta talk like this until I hit the off button and talk like that. Now, I think that might have been like they composited the two shots together of the car passing by and the fog rolling out of the Hello? woods, but the fog is is its own character. Have nothing to do with the seagrass. It's a character that brings forth the characters of Blake and his men. I love it. Two birds, one stone type of effect. And the fact that it's glowing, it's like, okay, hold on now. How you doing? Your girlfriend on the radio has been talking about you. Came in tonight just to keep her happy. Yeah, I thought you were off tonight. I love my job. Yeah, well, you could tell them all about that big fog bank moving in the southeast there. Where? Well, you'll see it. I'm on my way. See you tomorrow. Yeah, Mel, I'll see you. What a great extra. Like she was gonna say, no, I'll stay here in this random ass bar you've hey, dragged hey. me to. Hi, sweetheart. I thought you were celebrating. <laughs> I couldn't spend an evening without you. Jesus, well, I got Dan. About thirty seconds. What's new? Another fog bank. Where? It's coming in off the ocean from the southeast. It's heading inland. Should be here at the weather station in five, ten minutes. <laughs> like that was something to be proud of. I have a special weather bulletin. The Tri-County Weather Station reports a fog bank moving southeast along the coast. For whoever's interested, that's the weather station on Old Russellville Road. Repeating, a fog bank is moving southwest along the coast for the weather station on Old Russellville Road. Dan, are you still there? I'm still here. <laughs> hey, you uh, sound different tonight. I just feel like talking, that's all. Wait a minute, I thought you told me you didn't like to talk on the telephone because you talked on the radio all day. Dan, where's the fog now? It should be right outside my door now. Hold on, I'm going to try something. I can see it. Hey, now what is the big deal? You've seen fog once, you've seen it for life. You know, I was I, I was about to say something about Charles Cipher's sweater there, but I honest I'm not gonna lie, I can't wait to break out the Bill Cosby sweaters this winter, man. That is that is not a reference that had anything to do with with his fucking legal troubles, people. God damn. 
Because I know somebody out there probably was like, Bill Cosby sweater. Barometers falling, temperatures dropping. Then what is it? What the hell is that? Then what is it? What's happening? What is it? What's happening? I should probably find another term to use uh, instead of the Bill Cosby sweaters. Hold on, sweetheart. I'm going to check this out. It's not exactly the best household name that's out there. First of all, that's that isn't even a hand knocking. That's a boot kicking. A hundred year old, dirty, seaweed infested boot. Then the fog is. Someone's at the front door, sweetheart, playing a stupid joke. And whoever it is, they ain't gonna like finding me home. Dan, stay away from the door. Like he could fight or something. Like you ain't Sheriff Brackett. I'd have just jumped the fuck out the window, honestly. I'm, oh my god, I love the red. Love the cinematography in this scene, man. The red is just getting it. Hello? Anybody here? Some asshole got drunk and started taking this 100-year-old business too seriously. <laughs> Dragged, he was talking all that shit. Dragged his ass right away. I, I listen. That scare, like if you're not prepared for that scare right there, that jaw hits. That scare is definitely solid. Gotta love the five five five. The fog's like, oh, y'all think y'all gonna use these phones? Let's hit these power lines next. Hello. Hello. Sheriff Sims. They said, "Fuck that! Y'all will not be making outside calls. They are, they are doing away with anything that can." Uh, that looks like Amy Irvin in the crowd too that can't be her they hitting the the, the the power plant all types of shit 
Like literally, we are knocking out the power. We're knocking out the phones. We coming for that ass. We need two more bodies at this point. Because they got the three guys from Seagrass. They killed Dan. So, yeah, they need... uh, No, 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 no. Yeah, they need two more. Just lights out. Okay, now this is this is where I become absolutely terrified if I owned a lighthouse and hosted the podcast out of there because when that shit when the power goes out it's just like Look at that nice single foul line there and everybody would get trampled in, in in 2023 if something like this happened. Cuz if the power went out in a in a in an area like a neighborhood they'd be like, "Oh my god, they let off the EMPs and the aliens are on their way from Russia." Everybody trampling the fuck over each other, recording it on Instagram Live and all types of shit. I remember in my old neighborhood, the power went out in the neighborhood, all of it. Not the entire neighborhood, but a big chunk of it. And I looked out the back window up the street and I was looking to see if somebody was going house to house murdering people. Because the first thing I thought of was, I, I don't know how much truth it is to it but it said that the manson family murders they cut the power out on the whole block and just went on a murder spree so yeah i like call me crazy but i like to take precaution with certain Hello? shit What's that now? You know what it is. I don't know if this was a miniature shot or not. Of the house and the fog about to just completely cover this joint. Anybody that's listening to Stevie Wayne on the radio, they're like, this station sucks, man. Like, when did we turn into a soap opera station? Why is she touching Tom Atkins' ass like that? You ain't slick, Jamie. She's awesome. nervous too the whole house covered in smoke like you know like the hood is getting high at the same time like what if they remade this and it's just it turns out blake and his men was just high like they were the the biggest stoners of the of their century and they came back just to get everybody in antonio bay high That's a spoof they could do, like the Wayans. But imagine if the Wayans still did, you know, horror movie spoofs. They could do a spoof of the fog and just have everybody just getting high. I 
And they didn't just kill her. Like, everybody got a piece of it. Do you see other motherfuckers pop up after she got snatched? Like, one of y'all wasn't enough? Of course not. That's probably the most aggressive knock. But why y'all save the most... Y'all petty. Why y'all save the most aggressive knock for the little boy? Tom Mack is the way he did that. You think he just elbows glass windows open every day of his life because that was just effortless right there. That's a great shot right there, too. I'm pretty sure that's two shots composited into one, also. Music that sound like they hit the organs for that John. And I love it, man. Like you still you see bits and pieces of Blake and his men, but the way they're closing in on the car while the car is you know struggling to get out of place. taking their sweet ass time to try to catch him in that car and Blake and his men are just like damn it we were almost there almost there and again how this shot just lingers the fog is just now slowly making its way away from um you know the house all right but let's get him through as quickly as we can. Probably be a good idea if you went home, Kathy. Uh, we can close up here. I should see it here to the end. Mrs. Oh. Williams, there's nothing more to do here. Let me take you home. A little annoying, but you're right. Would you please take him? Yes, ma'am. I'll call you tomorrow, Kathy. That's a good moment between them. <clears throat> Because she said it genuinely for once. And that is, that definitely is Deborah Hill. I knew that was her in the background. But she said it so genuine to uh, Janet Lee that time. And there's a line earlier in the movie where she's like, you know, you don't, you're the only person that can make yes ma'am sound like a big screw you. But she, she said it like she, she actually cared, man, because, you know, she just lost her husband. She told her, you know, I don't think you should. I don't think you should go out there. Let me take you home type shit. Away from the beach. Towards Antonio Bay.
Sure. Maybe some Q102. Moving faster now. Up Regent Avenue, up to the end of Small House Road. I definitely want to say that shot right there that's definitely miniatures just the way that the town looks and the car the cars not gonna lie I'm jamming a little bit yo And the fog's like, don't worry, we'll, we'll be there in a minute. <laughs> she just banged the left. She's like, nope. It <laughs> just drove away from that. <laughs> oh my god. And Stevie Wayne, man, she's almost like, I, you know, I don't. I'm not going to get it like religious or blasphemous, but she is like a, the voice of an angel, you know, like she's telling everybody where to go, what to do, stay away from the fog. Had it not been for Stevie Wayne's just as big a part of this movie as, as, as anybody else, because if it wasn't for her, people wouldn't know what the fuck is going on. And she's not annoying. Like you could have had an annoying vo a, a, a actress to play an annoying character. Um, you know, you, you she she could have been like a shock jock or something. <laughs> you know, imagine if they if they did a, another remake of The Fog and cast Wendy Williams as as Stevie Wayne. I I'm going to just take a radio take the radio out the fucking car and throw that shit. Like y'all remember on Joyride? Where they unscrewed the CB radio and just threw that shit on the side of the road. That's what I'm doing. He's like, put the motherfucking bottle down, father. You've been getting you've been getting drunk all day. Father Malone, <laughs> he is loaded, yo. That shot right there, the exterior shot of the lighthouse, were they were they like approaching daylight or something? Because it doesn't match with the with the rest of how you know nighttime looks in these scenes. I don't know, man. I I'm no fucking filmmaker. I'm maybe I'm reading too much into it. Maybe I need to shut up. Just 
side. That was on the, the three men on the seagrass. And the weatherman is four? Yeah, five. She should just slap the book out and say, like, Father, you, you read this shit already. Damn. He's so drunk, ain't even no urgency that we about to be. <laughs> see what I'm saying? Ain't no urgency that we about to get murdered by, you know, vengeful ghosts. I'm not gonna lie to y'all. I know it's a ghost story, ghost tale, but this kind of has a special place in my heart because the way they break it through the windows, it's very zombie movie like. So y'all know I was, I was a big fan of that. They even, they hands even bust through the windows pretty slow. It works though, you know, they've been dead for like 200 years, so it makes sense. I'm not gonna lie, that cross that they take out of the wall is sexy as shit. That gold cross looks amazing. <coughs> then when Blake and Father Muldoon are like, they, they've got their hands on it and it starts glowing. Jeez. girl can scream can't she also see you know i'm talking about or i talked about janet lee and jamie lee curtis in the same frame of, of of this film i gotta you know show some love to the fact that um nancy Lum nancy keys and jamie lee curtis are in the same frame of a movie again because she played annie in the first halloween She's also in Halloween 3. She plays Tom Atkins' wife or ex-wife. I don't know. Baby mama in Halloween 3. She's not in it a lot, though. Blake, I have your gold. Blake looking like I don't give a fuck. You see how cool we look right now? Let's 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 bask in this moment right now. And I love how slow he pulls the sword out. Like his eyes start glowing red, and then he just pulls that fucking sword out. John Carpenter did tease the idea of revisiting the fog. I did a whole episode about it. Um, I, I listen. How would y'all feel about that? Like a, a sequel to this years later. I think John Carpenter would definitely have to be on board for it. I, I don't know as a, as a executive producer, the score. I don't know. But if these ghosts came back to Antonio Bay, 
people's eyes, man. And I ain't no bitch. That's what he should have told Blake. Like, listen, brother, you don't scare me with your goons and your fog and your glowing eyes and your sword. You terrify me. That shot is great. How he uses that sword, knife, whatever the hell that thing is to, like, brace himself and climb up even more. Oh! I forgot that was going to happen that fast. She just take that hook out of her arm like that. Okay, buddy. You got... What? He should have been like, I got worms. You definitely have worms in your face, sir. I think that was a shot that they added after the movie was over. They wanted to put some little icky nasty up in there. And that, I mean, that shot, cool. Uh, but I, I didn't really need it. You know, I would have been cool not seeing their face fully at all. You know, not knowing if they were icky slimy, not knowing if they had worms in their shit, but... It's like follow him along like you're drunk you're playing tug of war with a ghost love how the music just is intensifying everybody's like wait what that's it I don't know how they they disposed of Blake and his men in the remake. I listen, that just goes to show how fucking forgettable that goddamn movie is, man. But I remember they killed Father Malone. Uh I remember a scene where Father Malone, I think Blake was either pushing him or kicking him along a, a cemetery or something like that. I don't know, man, but I think he did take the main chick that was in the movie. He definitely took her and turned her into a ghost or killed her. I don't it, it's a fucking st- people if you love this this version of the fall, stick with this one. If you absolutely have to, you know, visit the 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 2006 remake, sure. Visit it to see the 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 terrible differences in that movie. Same premise, but for the most part it, it's Oh my god, man, it's so bad. The seagrass sequence is so terrible. It's D-Ray and the other deckhand that's on, you know, that's on the boat, and they got these girls on there partying, they're listening to fucking uh what the hell is that? Petey Pablo vibrates on that shit's it's awful. It's terrible. And D-Ray survives the seagrass sequence, and you would think that I'm rooting for the token black guy to survive in the fog remake, but it's just an awful fucking movie, man. It's so bad. It's not scary. It's not atmospheric. All they did was say, "We're going to CG the fog. We're going to CG the ghosts. We're going to we're going to put you know CW Superman in the mix, and we're going to call it a day." That's it. Terrible, man. I was excited for it. There was a, there was a moment in the trailer where 
Selma Blair, Stevie Wayne is driving on the road and the fog kind of, she gets into a car accident and she goes into the water and the ghosts are in the water fucking with her. And I'm like, oh shit, she might not make it out of this. And then you see it play out in the theater on a big screen and you realize you've wasted your money and your date's money and you realize you've made a terrible decision and that money could have went to something else at the time. It's just, I don't know what it's regret, man. Something came out of the fog tried to destroy us. In one moment, it vanished. But if this has been anything but a nightmare, and if we don't wake up to find ourselves safe in our bed... If they ever did a sequel to this, you, you cannot do it without Adrian Barbo. I don't care. To the ships at sea who can hear my voice. Look across the water... She could still, you know, own the lighthouse and, you know, do the radio. She Look could do a podcast. She could have a talk show. I don't care. You have to have Adrian Barbo back if they ever decide to do that. He heard you. Why the fuck? Why even like he he wanted to die? Then when he see the fog and turn around and Blake is there, it's like don't look so don't look surprised. That's what you asked for. Why not me? I'd have been wiping the sweat off my brow. Whoo! I survived. Black and I survived. What? See, look. Did you, did you? Now he look all surprised. Like where you guys come from? I thought it was over. Hmm. Mm-mm-mm. took that man's top off people while father Muldoon was not as lucky as we are we did survive the Antonio Bay you know the, the coming after the six conspirators and all of that stuff <sighs> let's just skip all the pleasantries man honestly this movie is a 10 out of 10 for me um, I listen this movie this is a movie where while it's a 10 out of 10 for me a remake could have worked you know it could have worked in his favor but the remake shows that you know uh john carpenter and deborah hill god rest their soul you know rest assured they still have the better film a movie that was made a, a ghost or a ghost story that was made in 1980 that still holds up today this movie like i said I, I'm, I may repeat myself a lot here but i don't care this movie is atmospheric this movie is a slow burn for all the right reasons all the performances are great and i love again i love that they're with the exception of stevie wayne adrian barbo's character there's not really a main character here it is about these townspeople trying to overcome these you know these these ghosts coming back for revenge i love the story because it's so it's simple until we get into father muldoon reading that journal and understanding why blake and his men are coming back and you know him saying that you know we're the festival's a travesty where honor and murder is. It gives more context into why Blake, you know, Blake and his men are coming back. If they never explained any of that, it would have been fine. But the fact that we do get um, exposition as far as all of that is concerned, it's a great scene, man. It's one of the best moments in the movie. You know, from from Hal Holbrook, man. God rest his soul, man. That guy was just he he was such a he was such a presence 
on screen, man. Like this creep show, everything else he was in. I, I wish I would have seen some of his later movies, man. Speaking of the cast members, Jamie Lee Curtis, obviously, she's great in this movie. She doesn't get a whole lot to do. As far as the female actresses in this film, Adrienne Barbeau does steal the scene, man, because you know she, she she's isolated for the majority of this movie. I think the only other sequence she has with another person is with ty mitchell and you know that had to happen because she you know that's her son but there's not a lot of interaction with them that doesn't require them being over the phone or her talking to him over the radio man she carries like as far as the performances she carries this film man and rightfully so you know when you outshine janet lee in a john carpenter movie that is a, that is a bold fucking statement that's why i said if they ever wanted to revisit this she's got to be there a uh, recipe shout out to janet lee i think she she specifically does a good job when you know she finds out about her husband and tom atkins he does he does a good job in here i think i like his character way more in this movie than i do in halloween 3 i i don't know you know it's just something about his character is very sleazy and, and suspect in halloween 3 we'll cross that bridge when we get there because that's gonna be last for the month of october john houseman you know like i said john houseman sets this movie off with that monologue about blake and his men again that's not you didn't have to open up the movie that way, but it, again, it adds more context into what we're about to get into. And John Hausman was the guy for the job. You know, he, you know, when you can make a monologue creepy, even though it's really drawn out, then that is that is a talent because you could easily listen to John Hausman or some other actor for that matter and just be like, oh my God, I like, can we get to the movie? I don't want to hear all of this, but you're so engaged in it. You are pretty much listening to him and watching him as if you're one of the kids on the beach. Charles Cyphers. Charles Cyphers, he, he's a thirsty weatherman, but I love that they gave him something to do. He gets more to do uh, in this movie for me than he does in the first two Halloween movies. You know, I, he doesn't play a character that's that's in power like that but he you know he is kind of in a way you kind of root for charles cypher's thirstiness because it's like persistence man like we've all been persistent for a woman out there fellas but you know that shit ultimately gets his ass killed because he had the night off he's supposed to be celebrating and his ass became one of the six nonetheless nancy keys is great in this movie ty mitchell did his thing got to shout out george buck flower also um uh he passed away also recipe shout out to him uh, like i said the og casting is heavy in this movie man and it works this movie and it, again it doesn't rely on a bunch of jump scares there are more than a few jump scares in here but every jump scare is earned every jump scare is something before it leads up to that moment where you think you're comfortable um and, and then it just pops out at you you've even got the double jump scare in here like i said i don't know how many movies were doing that back in the day back to back you know one the pump fake jump scare where you think is one thing and then something else pops up right behind you man that is some effective shit right there and again another reason this is a 10 is because this is not a gory film it's not a violent film at all it's, it's it leaves everything to the imagination the sound design lets you vision the, the, the kills in your head just by how just by what you hear on the ear man and it's just you wouldn't get a ghost story like this today man you're gonna have the ghost slice people up and blood fly at the screen i mean you don't have to not all of them do that but this is one that easily could have did it just based off of the weapons that blake and his men use and you don't see blood in this movie like you see it dried up in dick baxter's eyes or something like that but you don't get no splashes of blood in here and it's one of the reasons early john, even later on john carpenter movies like you know ghost of mars isn't a, isn't excessively bloody but 
the violence is handled uh, in, in a really good way, man. But the early John Carpenter stuff, he didn't have to as one of the reasons why he's one of the goats, man, because he didn't have to have a whole bunch of blood and gore on screen, man. It is all implication. It is execution. And it works. It fucking works, man. The Fog is its own entity. Antonio Bay is its own entity. It's so much character to this movie that I feel like it just doesn't it just doesn't get enough credit for it, man. So that's why it'll always be a strong 10 out of 10 for me, man. Recipe shout out to Deborah Hill, who worked on the script with the goat, John Carpenter. Definitely got to shout out him. I don't I don't you know, I could tag John Carpenter to a thousand things in, a, in one day. I don't think he'll ever see it. But if he does. You know, I got I to gotta get you on the show, sir, for an interview. I have to, people. But y'all already know where to go, man. If y'all don't, y'all can follow the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Radio Public, Podbean, and Podcast Addict. Shout out to Spotify for podcasters. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, Romero Tudor. Shout out to the Facebook movie group, The Cinemaniacs. And last... But certainly not least, shout out to the two, the reviewers, the listeners, the lovers, the supporters out there, people definitely still keeping it rolling. I know I missed the day. It was a lot of bullshit going on yesterday, but I definitely dropped that. Um, I definitely uh dropped that Thanksgiving. I'm sorry, that, that fucking notification threw me off uh, like completely. That was a little jump scare moment right there. But uh, I dropped the Red Band trailer reaction for Thanksgiving. Y'all can check that out if y'all want. Drop that this morning. That was... Phew. That that movie's shaping up to be something solid for Eli Roth and for holiday horror um, types of slasher movies, man. But you know, I I can't really like this is this is the one thing that's for certain. Halloween three is what we're closing spooky season out with. You know, Halloween three will be at the end of the month. Everything in between, I'm kind of conflicted about because I've got oh, and Pet Cemetery Bloodlines is also a guarantee. They're streaming that tomorrow on Paramount Plus. I will definitely be dropping that commentary for y'all because I want to be proven wrong about it, but. You know, scary stories to tell in the dark is on the list. House of Fears, The Baba Duke, The Fog I Can Cross Off, Hocus Pocus, Terrifier. But I've added shit, man. I added Invasion of Body Snatchers. I added Poltergeist 3. I added No One Will Save You. I added Werewolf by Night, House on Haunted Hill, As Above, So Below. Like, it's so, like, what I've got is a set list. And what I'll do is compromise my own fucking list because I'll tack it to the wall and make a whole brand new list underneath the list i've already got is anybody following me here probably not because it's almost two hours into this commentary man so if you guys are getting a little stir crazy like me then uh you know i, I feel like maybe i'm having my own little stevie wayne moment where i'm just going to be screaming into the microphone telling everybody to run for their lives and shit i don't know i don't think i'll go that crazy i don't maybe i'm already there i don't know but basically what i'm trying to say people is we're, we're going to get spooky season content nonetheless but i'm gonna shake things up i'm gonna shift things around a little bit but for the most part, the Halloween themed stuff is still going to be there. Like Night of the Demons, I'm kind of debating whether I want to do um, Night of the Demons, the remake. I don't know how well that will do as far as the spins go. I know there's probably a couple fans of it out there, but I'm, I'm debating, do I do that one? Or since I did the original, do I do Night of the Demons 2? I don't know. I guess you guys could send that in and you know, help me out with that one, but, you know, Terrifier is going to be on there, Trick or Treat is going to be on there, their ultimate Halloween movies, Hocus Pocus, yeah, I'll do Hocus Pocus, I, like I, I keep saying it, man, I'm not really, it's not that I'm not looking forward to it, it's just that I don't know if I'm going to enjoy it, you know, I didn't, it was okay when I was a kid, but I wasn't super crazy about it, not enough to even look at part two yet, but I, I just don't know how well it's going to hold up for me, 
I, I, who knows, man? Kathy Najimini, I'm looking forward to seeing her on screen because I, you know, I was singing her praises when I did the Sister Act 2 commentary. But we'll see, people. Spooky season commentary is not stopping anytime soon, though, and there's more to come. And y'all already know the love and support y'all show me. I show it back to y'all tenfold and then some. So with that being said, people, yours truly, Romero Tudor. Another episode of Tudor Reviews in the can. I'll check y'all on the next one.